Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I always appreciate the opportunity to get up and, and open the Word of the Lord and to be able to preach. And uh, Pastor spoke to me about three weeks ago and told me the passage that I'd be preaching from and looking at it when, I, when, I, when he told me. It's like, okay, so this is, you know, the Corinthians were prideful. And so he's telling, listen, you need to be humble. And so I decided I was going to begin studying then and uh, really, you know, needed, I, I needed to, to master humility. And so I decided I wrote a book. The book uh, is going to be published soon. It's 237 pages. The first 230 are about the author. Um, <laughs> no, listen, to be, to be real, um, I come to you. I'm going to preach on pride this morning. Listen, we need to be humble. I'm not going to say I'm, I've got it mastered. I, I, I don't have uh, the corner on it, and I'm not perfect. Um, I'm going to humbly come and try to preach this message Listen, we all struggle with pride. This is something we can all relate to. Um, But as Paul is looking at the church at Corinth, he's seeing a church that is very prideful, very lifted up in their knowledge, very lifted up in their position, very lifted up in general. And he he looks at them and he says, and really in this passage what you'll see is, he says, the Corinthians, you have a decision to make. You can either have your pride or you can have power. Now, the power that he's telling them about is not their power. It is God's power. Because when you forsake, when you repent, when you reject pride from your life, when you humble yourselves, listen, humble Christians have access to God's holy power. And so the decision that we're going to have this morning, that we have every single day, because listen, you might make the decision today, listen, I, I'm going I'm to get, I've got to reject pride. I can't think of myself better than I should. It's not a decision that's made once. You have to make it every day. Multiple times a day. And that decision is, listen, pride or power. Pride or power. As Paul is addressing the Corinthians and trying to let them see their pride and trying to let them understand where they're wrong, the first thing that we see in this passage is that Paul reveals to them their place as the church. So number one, their place, we see their place as the church. Listen, our place as the church is not something we make up ourselves. It's determined by the Bible. It's determined by God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 6, Paul writes, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, and that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Listen, it's not about what we think. It's not about what we think. It's about what the Bible says. You know, it used to be that something was considered biblical if the Bible said it. But now it seems to be it's considered biblical as long as the Bible doesn't specifically say 
anything against it. Church, our, our thinking needs to be biblical. Amen. Teaching in Sunday school on the love of Christ and how God's Christ, God, Christ's love is manifested. And one of the ways it's manifested is that Christ just did everything that he did. Why? In order to please God. Not just to skirt in at the bottom. Oh, what does God, does God allow this? I've had so many conversations with, with people does God allow this? Is God okay with this? It's not, that's not what the Christian life is about. We should live our life, and we should want to live our life. We should have a desire to live our life to please him, to make him happy. The joy of the Lord should be our desire rather than our own joy. And when your desire is the joy of the Lord, he will give you joy. We're not supposed to think of our, about, about ourselves or others how we want to think. We are supposed to think about them and ourselves scripturally. What does the Bible say about man? Because he's obviously referring to something that was written. You could say that he's referring to the part of Corinthians he's already writing. And he actually references many Old Testament scriptures that talk about, listen, man, man's not that good. (laughs) And God's going to humble the prideful. But we also see in, in scripture, listen, that all men are wicked sinners. All men are wicked sinners. I'm going to try to, in this part of the message, stay away from the New Testament because it really wasn't written. So let's, go, let's stay with the Old Testament, what they would have had in that time. Well, let's go to Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. Verse number 3, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. And this part looks familiar, doesn't it? There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You see, in Romans, when Paul writes, there's none righteous, no, not one. This is where he's quoting from. They already had this. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What's the, what's the last words of that? Who can know it? It's very easy not to realize how wicked you are. It's very, very easy for me not to realize how wicked I am. Our hearts can deceive us. They're deceptive. It's easy to justify our own sin, to think, listen... To think ourselves better than we actually are. You go throughout the Old Testament. The Old Testament all the time speaks of the wickedness of man. You look at Moses in his sermons in Deuteronomy. What does he tell the nation of Israel? Listen, I know that you're going to sin again. You are going to sin again. You look at the final message that Joshua gives. What does he tell them? I know that you're going to sin again. You look at the dedication of the temple of Solomon when he prays. What does he say? 
forgive Israel because they're going to sin again. It's kind of interesting that the greatest leaders in Israel's history, they always look and say, you know, you're all, yeah, you're going to mess up again. You're going to sin again. Why? We're man. And listen, there is nothing good in us apart from the goodness of God. As Christians, listen, the only reason there is anything good about us is because of the goodness and grace and mercy of God. We cannot think about ourselves above what Scripture says. I am a wicked sinner that's simply been wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is his righteousness, his goodness, his payment. It's the only reason that I'm going to go to heaven. Listen, to be honest, it's the only reason I'll have anything to lay at his feet. It's because of him. Our place in the church is determined by scripture, but it's also determined by our creator. We didn't just come into existence by chance. If you're here, you're listening this morning, you believe that the world just happened by chance. It didn't. Look around you. See the intricacy. See, see, see how complex the world is. It didn't happen by chance. We look, we, we look at technology and we just all, all, all just know that someone created this. We know that I just didn't stumble across it on my way to church this morning. Like, wow, a new flower. Oh, man, this, this is a nice flower. I'll keep this one. No. We know that someone spent a lot of time trying to design even the smallest detail in this to make sure every, every single piece even just fit inside. The world we see is so much more complex than this. It didn't just happen by chance. We were created. And so listen, our place as the church is determined by our creator. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? And if thou hast not received it, as if, as if thou hast not received it. Listen, every talent, every ability that you have was given to you. It was given to you. By your creator. You can't boast. You can't boast. It was given to you. You didn't, you didn't get it yourself. You didn't make it yourself. It was given to you. Like, well, I practice a lot. Well, who gave you the, the ability to practice? Everything you have was received by God. And listen, and I want you to hear this, the talents that you don't have, 
you might get jealous. Like, oh, I can't do that. I wish I could do that. Well, maybe if you pray, God will give them to you. But at the same time, maybe the reason God doesn't give you those talents is because God has something else for you. Yeah. Allow God to use you the way he created you with the talents he gave you. And listen, again, pray. when I first started to preach, and some of you might be even say, say this now, I couldn't preach. You think, you think it's hard to understand me now. <laughs> My first message was supposed to be five to seven minutes. I've sh- shared this before. It was 30 seconds. <laughs> you think I talk fast now. I talked a lot faster then. <laughs> I practiced that. And it, I had it down. It was like six minutes and 30 seconds. It was great. 30 seconds. Can I say the only reason I'm able to be up here now is not because I just did it a lot. It's because of him. We are created. And we are created with a purpose. Our purpose, see Ecclesiastes 12, 13, says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. In other words, reverence God, love God, and obey him. Love God and obey him. We're created with the purpose. And that, listen, that gives us our place. Listen, not too high, because we know we have nothing on ourselves. But listen, not too low. We are God's special creation that God loves. Not too high, not too low. Where scripture puts it. So we see Paul gives the place, their place as the church. But then he also turns and he he addresses the pride of the Corinthians. He addresses, number two, the pride of the Corinthians. Look with me in verse number eight of 1 Corinthians 4. It says, now ye are full. Now ye are rich. Ye have reigned as kings without us. That's not a good position. The Apostle Paul is writing you, saying, you have reigned as kings, but not with us. Ooh, continue. And I would to God that ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. So Paul said, you're not actually reigning, but we wish you were. For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last as it were appointed to death. For we were made a spectacle unto the world and to the angels and to men. We, were, we are fools for Christ's sake. Oof. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world, and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. Ooh, 
Ouch. Listen, our actions and attitudes always stem from our beliefs. Our actions and attitudes always stem from our beliefs. So based on the actions of the Corinthians, Paul could tell that they were influenced by their culture. They were influenced by their culture. The Corinthian Christians were merging their church and their customs. They were merging their church and their culture. They were allowing their culture to, to come in and change things that should not be changed. Instead of being humble servants... They were proud kings. They looked down on people who suffered. They looked down on people. Listen, Paul mentions that they were working with their hands. He was working with his hands. Why does he mention that? Well, because the Corinthians and the Greek culture that they were allowing to come into the church looked down and despised that. They were influenced by their culture. Look at verse number 8. First part of that verse, it says, now ye are full. That phrase means they were satiated, they were engorged. Imagine you're eating a big meal. Let's say Thanksgiving dinner, and you eat so much, and you eat, and you eat, and you eat, until you can't take another bite. Anyone ever been there before? It's like the worst feeling ever. But then you forget it by the next Thanksgiving. You do all over again. But that's what he's saying. Listen, you are so full of yourself that you can't eat anymore. You can't even take another bite. Their current culture made them proud of their own spirituality. But they were also embarrassed of Paul because of his weakness and humble state. They were embarrassed of Paul. Now, before we just put our noses up at the Corinthians... What would happen if someone like Paul came in today, someone who every city he entered into caused riots, was kicked out of cities, was shipwrecked, and was beaten, was, was whipped, and just seemed to cause trouble everywhere he went? What would we do? Bye. Comes in. No church is going to take him as their pastor today. We don't want to cause that trouble. Like, he'd cause too much trouble. They looked down on Paul because he was humble and obedient. Listen, I would love to be able to say that our culture doesn't influence us, but I think our culture influences us a lot. I think think our our culture influences how we think about sin. I I can't say how many times I have talked to teenagers and other people just be like, well, does God allow this? Like, is this okay? Like, do you think God will kill me? Like I've had, I've had a teenager say this. Do you think God will kill me if I do this? No. I don't think that you'll die right now. Like, I... But the entire mindset is just, is God like okay if I do this? Like it, 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 am I on the line or over the line? As long as I'm just not over the line, I'm good. We don't think about sin, I think, as God thinks about sin. We don't think about living for the Father as Jesus lived for the Father. And I think our culture has influenced us that way. 
and it should not be. I think our culture has also influenced, and, and to be honest, when you have a church that's been around for a while, churches that have been, been around for a while, your church culture sometimes determines how you think about others. When someone comes in and, and, and they come in and, and you know, man, they're, they're well, they wear that to church. Ooh, well, how, how could they? That's not, that's not biblical. We should be loving and kind and wel- welcoming and show the love of Christ to people. It doesn't matter. The book of James talks about this. We looked at, I remember being at a church and just walking through, and, and I stopped because I heard the youth director talking to a teenager who was coming with his grandma. His parents weren't saved. In fact, his parents were together. They were very much dysfunctional. And the youth director talked to this teenager because the, he was coming to youth group in jeans and sweatpants. And he said, listen, if you, you can keep coming to church, but if you want to come to youth group, you can't, you can't wear that. You got you to gotta wear khakis and a polo. And this was a young man that I, I was trying to work with and that I was trying to help and I was trying to disciple and trying to lead him. And to be honest, everything that was accomplished was gone at that moment. I remember the youth director walking on. I remember him looking at me and just hurt. He was hurt. And he looked at me and said, I don't have have any of that. I can't come to church anymore. How prideful! Who cares what they wear when they come to church? Listen, if you're here today and you're visiting, thank you. Listen, I don't care what you wear. I'm just thankful you're here. You want to know why? Because Christ loves you. God loves you. He loves everyone. But that that young man is not in church anymore. He's gone. I don't know where he's at. Listen, we face the danger of our religious pride believing ourselves to be spiritually full because we attend a Bible-preaching church. We listen to our Christian radio station, which, yes, you should attend a Bible-preaching church. You should, it's good to listen to the, a Christian radio station, a clean radio station. We give to missions. We think we know a lot about the Bible. And we get lifted up spiritually. It is easy for well-fed Christians to become puffed up in their knowledge. We need to allow Christ to humble us. But that's where the Corinthian church, church was. But Paul tells them, listen, you're this high, but I'm considered, and he uses this phrase in verse 13, put it up on the screens. He says, and we are the offscoring of all things unto this day. How many of you know what the word offscoring there means? Anyone? I didn't think so many, many people would, would know that. It means the dirt or the things that need wiped off your feet. 
Now, we don't think that much today, but it meant a lot then because they would walk in sandals on roads that were traveled by cattle, and so their feet were nasty. And they, he, Paul says, listen, as far as the world's concerned, where are the scrapings and the dirt that you get off the feet? Where are the garbage that when you're done with the meal, you scrape off? You ever know where the phrase, your garbage comes from? 1 Corinthians 4.13. That's actually, it's where it comes from. They're influenced by their culture, but they're also influenced by their cliques. Verse number 12 of chapter 1 says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of, of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Listen, pastors preached on this already. I won't spend much time, but these cliques were formed because each group was following a different church leader. And each person thought their group was better than the other. Oh, you have that belief? You follow him? Oh, <laughs> you're wrong. You find it interesting today, you're really just thinking about church cliques in general. Most cliques in church, churches, most groups in churches today are shared because people have similar interests or hobbies rather than even similar doctrines. Let's be honest, when's the last time that after a service you were caught talking about what was just preached? And I'll be honest, when I, when I wrote that down, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You talk about every, we talk about everything else than the word of God, the most important thing that we possess. We talk about everything else. And all the groups and churches today seem to be formed of trivial temporal matters and trivial temporal things. To be honest, I think the Corinthians are actually better than us in this. I'm not trying to be mean, but let's point, to, let's point and see what the scripture says and what the scripture shows. And were they wrong? Yeah. We are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. Paul revealed their pride. Paul revealed their pride. It's easy to be prideful, but listen, that's why we need, number three, the power of Christ. Church, we need the power of of Christ. You know, sometimes the power of Christ comes in the form of confrontation. And this might not be a popular opinion, but I think the church needs a little bit more, more confrontation these days. Now, I'm not talking, as pastor says often, I'm not talking about the jerks for Jesus. Okay? You can confront someone without being a jerk. You can do that. And this is what Paul, notice how Paul does it. Look at verse number 14. It says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Oh, wow. He just, like, he just turns the entire temperature just all the way around. Just as like, listen, your pride, stop it. And he just turns, listen, you're on a bad path. I'm warning you. As, as beloved sons, as your father. It says, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. 
It says, wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Listen, Paul lived by a good principle that I think that we need to live by in the church. You spare the rod, you spoil the church. You spare the rod, you spoil the church. But again, look at this passage. Paul's not being a jerk for Jesus. Listen, he confronted them in love, not anger. He confronted them in love, not anger. He says, I I write not these things to shame you. How many times do we confront people and we tell people they're wrong? Why? Because we want them to feel bad. You made that decision. You're stupid. Let's be honest. Can't believe you did that. That's the dumbest thing you've ever done in your entire life. How dare you? And we just, we just shrink other people. That's not biblical. Paul doesn't do that. He says, like, I'm not, I'm not. Listen, I'm saying all these things. I'm not doing it to shame you. I'm not. I'm doing it to warn you. Be careful. You need to Stop. Listen, if you love someone, you will speak the truth to them in love. And his goal in confronting them in love, not anger, was to build them up, not tear them down. Now, they're already in pride. They didn't need to build up in themselves. No, they needed to build up in the Lord. He was looking to build them up in Christ. Verse 15, it says, For ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have ye not many fathers. You know, Charlie is learning how to ride a bike. He has training wheels and everything, but it's just such a fun thing. It's an awesome thing to see him get on and go. But it's hard because he gets going and then something happens, and what happens? He ends up on the ground. I have, a, I, I have different ways I can respond. I can look at him and be like, oh, come on, really? You've been riding for a whole three days. You would think by now you'd have this mastered. Come, come on. I could look at it. What would happen, though? What would happen? He'd stop. And he'd stop trying. But instead, I can also say, hey, yeah, you felt that happens. That happens. And he's like, oh, I have a boo-boo. And, like, and I, I, I looked at him and said, like, yeah, that's a big, big boy battle boo-boo. <laughs> it's a big boy battle boo-boo. And now he gets up like, oh, oh, I have a big boy battle boo-boo. He's like, <laughs> then he gets right back on his, on his bike. And he's proud of the boo-boo. You can correct people and help people without tearing them down. And we see this with, with Paul. It's like, listen, you're listening to a lot of people who don't actually care about you the way I do. So let's be honest. I think a lot of people in here love my kids. But I don't think anyone here loves my kids like I do. 
I love my kids. And I want them on the right path. And I will do what is necessary for that to happen. But when you hire someone, when someone comes in, when someone's not someone's father, listen, they're there, but it's not the same. And Paul says, listen, you're listening to all these people that they're not your father. They're not, they're, they're, they don't care for you like I do. Listen. Listen to me. See the power of confronting others, but we see the power. And Paul shows them the power of the cross of Christ. The power of the cross of Christ. I find it interesting that when Paul's talking about pride, he ends up talking about the gospel. You know, so many times when we, talk, we have messages on pride, we never even talk about the gospel. But here, in 1 Corinthians, what does it say? For, verse 15, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He goes back to the gospel. And I, I want to encourage you, when you really study the writings of Paul, you will notice that pretty much in everything he did, in everything in his, in his entire ministry, it just all revolves around the gospel. Church, we would do well to imitate Paul in this. We would do well to imitate Paul in this. And Paul tells them, listen, imitate me. Follow him. We would do well to do that. <coughs> to focus on the gospel. Because listen, because when we do, what do we realize? What do we remember? We remember that it was our sin that nailed him to the cross. And he's the only reason we're able to have a relationship with God. We sinned. We deserve, the wages of sin is death. We deserve to go to hell because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from God. And there's nothing we can do to, to, pay, for our, pay, to pay for our own salvation. There's nothing we can do. It's, we, we sin against an infinite God. There needs to be an infinite payment. Eternity in hell. And that's still not going to pay it. Listen. When we think about the gospel, we realize the only reason... That we are saved because of what he did. That humbles you. That humbles you. So Paul goes through all of this. He tells them, listen, this is the place of the church. This is your place as the church. This is where you should be. Listen, this is where you are. Look at your, I need you to see the pride that you have. Look at where you're putting yourselves and look at where the apostles are. The apostles who are supposed, who, who we look at as the leaders of the church of that time, right? They were the biggest servants of all. That's the way it should be, too. And he pushes them towards a choice. He shows them a path. He says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Look at, watch me. Listen, when I'm, when I'm teaching Charlie, when I'm, when I'm doing something with Charlie, yesterday, Charlie put something up his nose. And I'm in Walmart's parking lot as Kayla's inside, and I'm, I'm literally trying to get him to simply blow his nose out. And so I'm like, watch me, do this. And just showing him to blow his nose. 
And every single time, he, you know, we do this, and he's like, I'm like, stop it! But just, I, I'm telling you, listen, do what I do. Do what I do. Listen, some of you, you're in a position where you need to seek out someone who's godly, and you need to do what they do. You need to seek, a, listen, I know this is, you need to seek a mentor. Some of you, you're at a place, listen, you need to be the mentor. He showed them a path, and he made them think about it. 1 Corinthians 4, 17, For this cause have I sent unto thee, Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into what? Remembrance of my ways. He showed them a path, and he made them think about it. But listen, then he gave them an ultimatum. He gave them an ultimatum. 1 Corinthians 4, 18 through 21 says, Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. But the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Listen, you can have your pride or you can have God's power in your life through humility. You cannot have both. You cannot have both. And Paul here is telling the Corinthians, you have to choose. You have to choose. So many times I'll be working here, and I wish it wasn't so many times, but it is. I'll be working here, and my phone will start ringing, and it's a FaceTime call from my wife. And every single time that happens, I know exactly what's going on. She'll get on the phone and says your child, and that's all I need. That's all I need. But the child's been bad. The child has been disobedient. And I will look at him. Listen, I'm not there. I'm not there. But I'll look at him and say, listen, when I come home, do you want me to come home and discipline you and give you the consequence, give you consequences, the bad consequences of your actions? Or do you want me to come home and be able to give you a hug and just play with you? Which one do you want? And you know what he'll say? I want you to give me a hug and play with you. Then your actions from now until I come need to be such as can be blessed. And church, our actions from this time until he comes, we can't be prideful. We need to humble ourselves. Our actions need to be such as can be blessed. 
Let's choose his power rather than our pride. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness.